video. Well, last week we had a great time in celebration together on Easter Sunday. And I want to report to you that we had 19 people accept Christ for the first time and 40 plus people rededicate their life. Let's celebrate what Jesus is doing. Amen. Amen. By way of reminder, if you're new around Grace Point, when we light this candle, there's nothing magical in that, but it symbolizes the light of Jesus coming on in somebody's life. And that's what's so important to us. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. I was going to start a series today on rest, running on fumes, but I'm just too tired, so we'll just go home. How do you feel about that? No, I'm... My heart's full. I'm ready to share with you what God's put on my heart. You know, I had an opportunity to be in my very first 5K yesterday, the color run here in Fort Wayne. And uh, I've learned from some of you who are runners, uh, 5K, 3.1 whatever miles, is not that impressive to you. But for people who are like me that don't run, that's a lot. And uh, it was exciting. I mean, it's a whole lot farther than it is from my refrigerator uh, to my couch. And so it had to stretch uh, my ability. And, and, and I was kind of tired. And if you're not familiar with the color run, they throw all this powdered dye and paint on you. And, and you just leave wearing that as a badge of honor. I just ran the race. I'm tired and you need to know it because I'm covered in paint. Well, I kind of wore that for a while, was excited. And then I went home and got cleaned up and found out that even if I wanted to get it off, it's kind of hard to get it off. So if I've got blue in my ears or in my nose, you know what that's from. But after I got cleaned up, I went to a store and I was talking to a clerk and he asked me, he said, hey, did you do the color run today? So wait a minute, I'm not wearing my t-shirt. I'm not wearing running shoes. I said, yes, but how did you know? He says, well, you got some stuff right here in your nose. You know, when I think about us being tired or exhausted, some of you, it's all over you. I mean, just one quick glance and you are covered with exhaustion. You are just whipped. You are beat to a pulp. You are absolutely at your wit's end. Now, others, you, you kind of clean up, you, you pretty it up, but I needed you to know that if I get close enough to you and the people who are around you are close enough, they can see the evidence in your nose and your ears, oozing out of you, that you are exhausted. I believe God's Word has some key truths for us today on this issue that is so important to all of us. Time Magazine, which is not God's Word, but it's interesting for us to look at. Time Magazine noted back in the 60s this expert testimony that was given to the Senate Subcommittee on Time Management. They predicted that advances in technology would radically change how many hours people would work in a week. They forecasted that the average American would be working 22 hours a week within 20 years. That would be in the 1980s. The greatest challenge, the experts said, would be figuring out what to do with all the excess time. And over 50 years later, with all the advances in technology, how many of us are wondering what to do with the rest of the hours in the week? All of us wish we had more time. We just cram our life full of so many things. I've shared this next story with a couple of you, but I think it bears repeating. I I like this newspaper article uh, from Tahoma, Washington. The newspaper carried a story of Tattoo the Basset Hound. Tattoo didn't intend to go for an evening run, but when his owner shut the dog leash and the car door and took off for a drive, while Tattoo the Basset Hound was still outside the vehicle, The dog had no choice but to go for a run. The motorcycle 
cop saw that tattoo was trailing behind, and he raced ahead to stop this vehicle. And he commented that the poor Basset Hound was picking him up and putting him down as fast as he could. He chased the car to this screeching halt, and, but he didn't get there before. The dog had taken a couple tumbles and rolls, and for those of you who love dogs, he was fine. Nothing horrible happened to him. But how many of us live our life like Tattoo the Basset Hound? You feel like it's not always by your choice. Someone has taken your leash and shut it in the door of the car that's driving in life, and it is whipping down the highway, and you are just doing everything you can to try to keep up with the pace. You fall, you trip, you're rolled over, and, and you're just waiting for somebody to stop the movement. I'm glad that you're here this morning as we start this new series, Running on Fumes. Because I believe that what God wants to do in us can radically change our life forever. It will not mean that you don't have stress. It will not mean that every circumstance that you go through will always be rosy. But it means that it won't have to affect you the same way. We need to learn how to experience rest. Now, if we just needed physical rest, we could take a nap. If we just needed emotional rest, we could take a vacation. If we just needed to kind of get a break from work, then we could just step back for a minute. But when does your soul get rest? The deepest issues in your life, when do they ever get filled up? It seems that the more things change, the more that it stays the same. Jesus faced the same issue nearly 2,000 years ago. And Mark 6.31, don't turn there, just listen to it. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat and said to him, and Jesus commented, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. Jesus talks about rest many places throughout Scripture. Not only did Jesus set an example for us, but God the Father did as well in creation. In the Genesis account, we find that as God created the heavens and earth and everything in them, he rested. We find in the Old Testament, part of the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, is to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why do we have to be commanded to rest? I remember as a kid that I had to be told that I had to take a nap. I don't understand this anymore. Why did I fight a nap? I I would love to have a nap. In fact, this afternoon I plan on taking a nap. But as a kid, I would do everything I could to fight it. I didn't want to take a nap. And, And Jesus understands that we fight this spiritual rest. And he commands us to rest. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. This is our key text this morning. Let me read it for us. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when you're running on fumes and you need to be filled up on rest, Jesus says, first, you need to come to me. In the Bible, people come to Jesus for a lot of different reasons. Some come to him for a question. Some come to him because they want to be healed. Others come to him for political power. Some come to him because they're upset and they have a conflict and they want him to resolve it. Some want advice. But Jesus says, come to me for rest. How many of us ever really think about going to Jesus for rest? How many of us go to Jesus for encouragement? We go to a lot of other places, but when do we come to Christ? Jesus says, come to me. 
It's a special kind of rest, as I mentioned. It's rest for your soul. It's not just for your body or your emotions, but it's for your entire being. It's a much deeper physical rest. It's deeper than just emotional rest. It's this soul rest. The issue for us is a tired mind. It's tension. It's worry. It's anxiety. It's fear. It's the guilt that we wrap ourselves in. It's the resentment that we hang on to. It's problems that you're thinking about over and over and over in your mind. There was a friend at prayer last night who was praying, God, would you set people free from the tapes that are being played in their mind over and over and over again as they go to sleep? Do you ever feel like that's you? As soon as you lay your head on the pillow, you just begin to hear the same recording of what you did wrong or what you haven't accomplished or what is weighing on your mind. God wants to give rest from the anxiety that is tapping us empty. I want to ask you a question. What do you do when you're exhausted? How do you refuel yourself, de-stress yourself? Some would say, I'm just stressed out. I need to go see a movie. Others would say, you know what, let's, let's go out to eat. I'm too tired to cook tonight. And some would say, you know what, I've got to get back into my hobby that, that recreates me. I've got, to, I've got to do some kind of entertainment so I can decompress. Some would say, I'm just going to take a nap. Others say, I've got to get alone. Others say, I need to throw a party. All those can be good, but what do they really do for our soul? There's only one thing that can bring rest to our soul, and that is God. Well, what, what does that mean? He's saying if you're stressed out, the answer is not a better plan. It's not a deeper purpose. It's not a better priority system. It's not a new program. It's not time management skills. It's the antidote is not a pill for some anxiety. The antidote is in a person in Jesus Christ. God's Word says, come to me and I will give you rest. If you come to Jesus, He will feed you. If you are hungry, He can meet your need. Come to Him if you're hungry. He will give you rest and feed your soul. John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. If you're thirsty, come to Him. He'll give you rest. John 7.37, now on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Is there a river of refreshing rest coming out of your life because you're coming to Jesus? If you want eternal life, there's rest. You come to Jesus. John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you'll have eternal life. And it's these that bear witness of me. And you are unwilling to come to me that you may have eternal life. You see, Jesus is talking about those who have an emptiness in their soul and they're refusing to come to him. But he says, come to me. I will feed you. I'll quench your thirst. I'll give you a full and abundant and eternal life in me. This is something that is a gift. You don't earn it. You don't purchase it. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 tells us, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. This isn't God condemning you, coming down on you. He wants to lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. 
This is not just a self-help talk from Oprah or the like. This is God's word that is true every time. And it says, I have rest for you, Jesus is telling us. And he says, come to me. Don't go to your own strength. Don't go to any other area. Come to me. Well, if it's that straightforward and that simple, why don't we come to him? Why don't we listen to Jesus more often? Why don't we trust him more often? We usually go to everything else first. A lot of times we think we can handle it in our own strength and we don't realize that God is waiting for us to cry out and call out to him. Over and over the Bible tells us to cry out to God. And when I've looked at this in the original language, it's not just this kind of calm, cool, collected, rhyming kind of, hey God. It's God! I need you! Cry out to Him. When my daughter yells, Dad, I, I, I come running. God the Father wants to hear your cry. Romans 8.15 says, And by the Spirit's power we cry out to God. Father, my Father. If you're running on fumes, the first thing you need to do this morning is to cry out to God. Not for a pill or a program or a plan, but for the person in Jesus Christ. When you're running on fumes and you need to be filled up on rest, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. He said, oh, wait a minute. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And now I've got to take a yoke upon me. I'm carrying too many things. I've got to get one more thing to carry. Come on, Jesus. This is not what I want. When we respond this way, I don't think we really understand what a yoke is. A yoke is not like the yellow part of an egg in this context. This is, this is a piece of wood that connects two animals together as they are pulling something. It's designed that the load, the burden, is spread across the many animals who are connected to this yoke. It's to make... Life easier for them, not to make it harder for them. A harness you put on one animal and they carry all the weight. A yoke distributes the load across the strength of the many. With a yoke you team up together. The yoke is a symbol in scripture for partnership. Jesus is saying, I never meant for you to do this life by yourself. I never meant for you to carry this stress by yourself. I never meant for you to have to walk through this alone. Take my yoke Upon you. Come to me and take my yoke upon you. In the Bible, we find that there are six places at least that talk about this teaching of a yoke. Sometimes it's referred to as the yoke of rules and religion. This is man's yoke. So there's obviously things that we can tie ourselves, that we can be strapped to, that we can be harnessed to, really, that in and of themselves may not be evil, but when we are giving our whole life to it, it weighs us down and God never intended it to be that way. But Jesus is talking about the contrast to that. The yoke of relationship is Jesus. It's not religion and rules that man's yoke, but Jesus' yoke is a yoke of relationship. He said, compared to man's yoke, it is light. It is easy. Now don't misunderstand. When you... Take the yoke of Jesus and you are connected with Him as you move forward in life. It doesn't mean that you'll never have a bad day. It means that you have peace in the midst of that bad day. It doesn't mean that you won't have obstacles or problems. It means you have strength in the middle of that. In fact, the yoke gives us at least three pictures of what that can look like. First, there should be connection. This is Jesus calling us to be with Him. If I am connected, yoked with Christ, I am to be with Him. 
I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. He is there. There's also a picture that there is direction that comes. I cannot be connected to Christ and, 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 and bound to Him in this yoke and then go my own way. He goes to the right, I go to the left. No, by its very design that I have to follow and I have to let Him lead and I will follow Him. There is direction given. And third, it implies cooperation. If I'm following Him and He's with me and I'm going where He's going, I can't just stick my feet in the mud as I'm connected to Christ and He moves forward and I just resist. It forces me to put my feet into action and put feet to my faith and move in obedience that brings rest. You see, we experience rest only when we obey. Come and take His yoke. When I am yoked with Christ, when I am connected with Christ, we move together in the same direction at the same pace. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Our lives get in step with God by letting Him set the pace. Now next week I'm going to be talking about pace. I'm going to share a message entitled, Slowing Down to Gain Momentum. But before we can get to the pace of life, we have to understand what comes first. It's coming to Jesus. It's taking up His yoke. All the other teachings that we're going to look at really don't have any effect on us until we catch this one first. The truth is that you're going to be yoked, tied to something in your life. In fact, you already are yoked to something. You may be yoked to your job. You may be yoked to the expectations of somebody else, maybe your parents or your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or or the people at work, their expectations of you or your expectations of them. It is is a, a, a yoke, even a harness on you. You may be yoked by money, getting it, keeping it, protecting it, investing it. You may be yoked by Being famous, it may not be Hollywood fame, but you sure want to be known in your field. You sure want to be known in your neighborhood. You sure want to be known in your school. You sure want to be known in your field of work. You may be yoked to the thought, I've got to do whatever it takes to succeed. You may be yoked to your own ego or worse yet, you may be just yoked to yourself. You're just so attached to who you are. If you're going to be yoked to something, doesn't it make sense to be yoked to the thing that is the easiest, that provides the light load? The words here in this scripture, when Jesus says, my burden is easy, it literally means my yoke fits perfectly. I I enjoy camping and hiking, and a couple years ago I discovered the joy of having a backpack that was fit for me. If you're going to go backpacking, you know, I used to just take a knapsack and load it up and and throw it on there and it would cut into your shoulder or hurt your neck or or whatever it be. But you get a backpack and the weight is distributed on your hips. And then they connect the straps up top and it keeps the weight from falling backwards. And and they make sure that it's the right size for your girth. They had to work to find one that would fit my girth, but they found one and, and then they connected it and... I could carry all kinds of stuff because it was custom fit for me. Jesus says, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. Why? It's custom fit for you. Who knows you better than Jesus? Who knows the shape and the tone of your life, especially in every season of life? He knows and he custom fits that for you. You see, the fact is that if we would do an x-ray on your life, You're not just carrying one yoke. 
you're most likely carrying dozens of yokes. I want to ask Brent to come help me. And as Brent comes up, he's going to stand right here. Now, as I've shared a couple of times, I, I have a simple mind, and sometimes illustrations like this help me. If you're much smarter than me, then you just put your brain on hold for a minute. But if you connect with things like this, this may help this come alive. Now, I, I've asked Brent permission to come up here, and he already found out what happened in first service. I didn't tell him everything, but uh, he's back, so he's willing to help again. You know, we're all yoked to something, and in fact, who among us would say, you know, I, I don't have to have a job. I mean, we, we all feel the pressure of earning a living, having a job, earning our keep. And now hear me, there's nothing wrong with having a job. We, we should work. And, and this is a good thing. But some of us, we are tied to it. We are strapped to it. We are harnessed to it. And this is the yoke that we hang on ourselves. The job we have, the job we want, the job we lost. And, and it's something that we carry. We just say it's just a part of life. <laughs> you know what's coming, don't you? I see fear in your eyes. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the job, we often, you know, want it to be a good job, and we have the pressures of that. We, we say, you know, I should get some money for that. And, and, and for some of us, money is more than just a tool. It begins to be something that owns us, and, and we are quickly yoked. We are strapped. We are in, in chains to the, the getting of money or the lack of money we have. And, and this becomes a burden on us, and we are yoked to money because of our job. And quickly, when we begin to see money come along or a lack of it, we say, well, I've got to be successful. I've got this job. I need to be a good steward. I need to earn money. I need to take care of my family. I want to do my best. Or, or maybe I'm not getting what I should, and I want to be successful. And, and, and we have all kinds of things that come on us. And, and now we carry the yoke of success. It's not enough to have a job. It's not enough just to, to earn a living. I've got to be successful, whatever that is. And then when we are successful or we are striving to be successful, there's another yoke that comes real quickly. It's our ego. And we begin to now hang our, our very self-worth on this. Now, can you breathe, brother? Okay. If Brent passes out, this is not part of the illustration. I'm going to need help. Okay? I mean, just We add one upon another upon another, and, and now his identity, his ego, his self-worth is wrapped up in these things. And, and, and then that begins to create all kinds of stress in our life, and, and we say, oh, I, I've earned it. I need, to, I need to have a hobby. You know what? We, some of us, we are so harnessed, we are so yoked to entertainment. We are so yoked to our, our relaxation, to our sports, or to the, the, the time we spend with our kids in sports. Now, is that bad? No, it's not bad. But is that what I should strap my life to? Is that the thing that I serve and live for? And pretty soon, we say, I'm so worked up, I've got to have stress. I'm going to need to borrow this arm here. Oh, it's falling everywhere. Yep, yep, yep. And we say, okay, this hobby that's supposed to help me is now hurting me. But it's on there. And, and then it doesn't take too much time until somebody in our life says, you, you're carrying all that stuff. Why don't you care about me? It's a spouse. It's a kid. It's a parent. It's a family member. It's a co-worker. And relationships now begin to be all kinds of problems in our life. And, and they're more than just a blessing. It's more than just something we take care of. We are tied to it, and it's a yoke. And, and uh, it doesn't take too long until we, we have physical problems because of all this. And I'm not saying that every physical ailment is because of what we're tied to. And some of us, just the lot in life, that we have health that is poor for one reason or another. And, and I'm not suggesting that poor health is, is a result always of something bad. But friends, some of us are yoked to it. 
Some of us are yoked to the, the, the fear of what is not happening for us physically. Some of us are experiencing physical things because we're so tied to other areas. There was a time in my life when, when my asthma prevented me to do any more uh, high school sports, and that was a god to me. And, and the yoke of, of my physical uh, ailment was more than just the burden. It became what was the major part of my life. And, and we begin to see that there is the yoke of our physical limitations. And right about now, we're feeling so weighed down. That the yoke of expectations comes in. I mean, we're so stressed. We carry so much. I expect you to respect me at home like the people do at work. I expect you at work to treat me the way people do at home. I expect something back because of what I've given. And, and people don't always meet our expectations. Or we don't always meet their expectations. And we begin to just be yoked with the expectations of, that we have and the ones that people have around us. And it's heavy. And then you come to church and we talk about taking up the yoke of Jesus. And then you've got to carry religion around. And then this can be the heaviest of all. Because there's guilt wrapped up and, and I, I need to be religious. And I've and I got to do the church thing. And so God, fine, give me one more thing. This is not at all what Jesus is talking about. Now turn around for a second, Brent. It doesn't matter which way he turns. It's obvious he's loaded down. I mean, some of you... You're just covered head to toe in blue. You're exhausted. Others, you hide it a little bit better than Brenton is right now. But it's oozing out. And Jesus says, come to me. Take up my yoke. And we say, take up my yoke. I've got too much. I can't take it. And Jesus says, well, what are you carrying this stuff for? It's not that a job is bad or that money is bad or we should never have any kind of expectations. But if that's what you live for, if that's what you're strapped to, no wonder you're exhausted. Jesus says, take that off. Lay that down. Lay down those things and pretty soon watch what happens to how you feel physically. It doesn't make every ailment go away. But doctors tell us stress adds so much to the negative impacts of the ailments that we have. And then we, we find, you know what, I'm just going to let go of, of that relationship or that hobby. And I'm going to let go of the, the fact that I, I want to serve money and I get some relief there. And, and then I, I come over here and finally I say, you know what, I can't control every relationship. And I'm going to let go of that. And, and I'm going to get rid of this. And, and you know what, my ego, fine, I'll let it go. And, and I don't know how successful I am at this anyway, so I, I'll let the, the success bag go and and I kind of wanted to get rid of my job for a long time. That one's kind of fun. I'll just drop that one right away. I don't know if I want to let go of religion yet, because this seems like a God thing. Jesus says, put it down. That's man's yoke. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, I have custom fit this for you. And it's not that you're not involved in other things, but he comes up to you and knows your very DNA and he custom fits it for you. And he gets to fit right and he connects it in a way that you can carry more than you ever thought you could carry. Does this mean that you never have problems at work? Of course not. Does it mean you don't have to strive to be a good father or a husband or a good mother or wife? No, of course not. Does it mean that you don't have pressures at school? No. But when you have the yoke of Jesus, he gives you strength. To be involved in the other things without being strapped to it. Thank you, Brent. You can take that off. Let's give Brent a hand. Next week we have a dunk tank and Brent's going to join us in the dunk tank. 
You see, when you're running on fumes, you need to fill up on rest. The temptation to say, my plate is so full, comes up. That's my pet peeve. I hate hearing that. I hate it. I hate it. Everybody's plate's full. Doesn't matter who you are. Your plate's full. And here's what happens. More times than not, when your plate is full, you begin to move things off your plate because you're so exhausted. And most of the time, you move the things you don't like. You get rid of the asparagus. You get rid of the broccoli. You get rid of the vegetables. And they could be the very things that you desperately need. You begin to get rid of things that you don't necessarily see results from. And you say, well, I'm so busy, I don't have time to pray. I'm so busy, I don't have time to spend in God's Word. I'm so busy that I'm going to separate from God's community. And we wonder why we're, we're struggling. And you know what? The principle is not that you get few things on your plate. Everybody's plate's full. And when you take on the yoke of Jesus, your plate is still full. But here's the question. It's not if your plate's full. It's how big is your plate? Some people just have a little tiny plate. And they're, they're always full. They're always busy. always busy. And they, I, what do you have going on? But sometimes when we begin to see that God, with the yoke He gives us in Jesus, gives us a plate that He enlarges our territory, we can carry more in His name of what He puts on us than on our own. When we are running on fumes and we need to be filled up with rest, we are to come to Jesus, we are to take His yoke upon us, and third, we are to learn from Jesus. To learn from me, He says. This third command in Scripture calls us to be open to learn. Some of us aren't real open to learning. Let's face it, we're all ignorant in some area, and we all can learn. We come to Him, we take up His yoke, and the process of learning should begin. Well, what is it that I'm supposed to learn? Well, Jesus says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. What? I'm tired. I don't want to learn how to be gentle and humble. Jesus, I'm tired. Did you not hear me? Teach me how to have endurance and stamina. Teach me how to have courage and confidence. Teach me how to have time management and goal-setting skills. But humility and gentleness? Jesus says, watch my life and I will teach you how to be gentle and how to be humble. Why? Here's why. I believe the two biggest drains on us in our energy in the Lord is arrogance and aggression. You say, well, I, I don't have those in my life. Well, most of us do. Here's how they show up. The idea of aggression shows up when we do things too quickly. We don't wait. We take action. We don't think about it first. We jump right in with both feet. In America, we are taught to be aggressive from an early age. The early bird gets the worm. You only live once. Do it as Hard as you can, as fast as you can, as long as you can. The cheer, be, be aggressive. Go get what you want. Look out for number one. And Jesus says, no. That will, will run you ragged. The other image is arrogance. Arrogance is the whole idea is that you try to control everything in your life. If you say, I, I'm feeling out of control. I, I want to earn the change in life with you to say, you never were in control. What makes you think that you actually think you're in control? I realize that that's like stepping on toes this morning, but friend, I need to let you know, you're not in control. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you think you're in control, but I'm still talking about it and you're not in control. 
God is the one in control. And the arrogance to think that I should be able to control everything. Some of us are so exhausted because we try to micromanage everything. We try to mastermind everything. And we just go through life. Of, of, I, I, I've got to make my plan work. I had a friend in Ohio. She was, uh, had a plan for her life. At age 18, she would graduate high school with honors. She would graduate college early at age 21. She would get married uh, five years after she would uh, graduate, after she'd been in the workforce for five years. Then she would work for exactly two years while she was married. Then she would have her first child. She would wait a year and have her second child. And this was the whole perfect picture in her life. The problem was she was 28 years old and she had not met a husband yet. She was 28 years old, and she still was not in the job that she hoped to be in. And her whole life plan was all messed up. She tried to control everything, but she didn't recognize she wasn't in control. God says, come to me, take my yoke upon me, and learn from me. And I will teach you gentleness and humility. That's the antidote for arrogance and aggression. The truth is, when we try to do it all, have it all, be it all, experience it all, that is aggression and arrogance at its prime. The only antidote is the gentleness and humility that God can bring. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Friend, the rest that God gives is a free gift today. The rest that we find can be the greatest discovery we ever make. You don't earn this. You don't deserve this. This is not some kind of, oh, okay, that's just icing on the cake. This is the fuel for your soul. Hebrews 4.11 Let us therefore make every effort to enter into the rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. I hope you caught this today. When you're running on fumes, come to Jesus. The answer is not in a plan, a priority, a pill, a program, a philosophy. It's in the person in Jesus. Take his yoke upon you. He will connect you to him. You will be with him. He will give you direction to follow him. He will give you the the will to cooperate, to obey him and learn from him. Gentleness and humility, the antidote to arrogance and aggression. As we wrap up this morning... I want to invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes. For some of us today, the Lord has already been speaking. You don't have to wait for me to give an invitation because you already know God is speaking. You just can't wait for me to stop talking so you can respond. Hold steady. The time to obey is coming close. But for some of us, the very block for the rest for our soul is an issue of disobedience. Psalm 32 says... (laughs) When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Last night in our prayer gathering, when when one of my brothers read this verse, I just thought, God, that's it. That is it. That is what you are saying to us as a community. Some of us, we can't break through to take His yoke upon us because we're already living in disobedience. We need to lay down the disobedience to take upon the yoke that gives us rest. 
there's others of us in here, and I think an overwhelming majority, that it's not an issue of willful disobedience. It's an issue of discouragement, distraction, defeat, depression. Psalm 42 says, why am I so discouraged? Why am I so downcast, O my soul? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. There is rest for your soul. I want to invite you to do what may feel like a tough thing, but I believe it's going to be the best thing for you today. As Carrie leads us in a song, I want to invite you in a moment just to stand right where you are at, to come forward and kneel at these altars. Brady, I'm tired. You want to make me get up and walk? We need to lay something down. We need to take up His yoke. We need to be able to learn from Him humility and gentleness. We're going to talk more about it over the next couple of weeks, but none of that will have any weight for us if we don't get this right first. If God is speaking to you, I want you to respond. Don't come because I'm asking you to. If God's speaking, you'll know. It's like a neon sign flashing. You know the weight you're carrying. When Brent was holding those bags, you go, that is me. I've covered it up, but that is me. There is rest for your soul today. If you want to come to Jesus, now is your time. As Carrie sings, don't wait for anybody else. Stand up, step out, and come kneel at the altar and we'll pray together. Come and rest here. Come and lay your burdens down. Come and rest here. There is refuge for you now. Don't wait for somebody else. You mind God. What will people think if I go forward? I've worked hard to hide this. Friend, they see the exhaustion oozing out of you. They'll think you're making the best decision of your life to bring it to Jesus. Don't wait. You come. You obey Him now.